Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel. Together, we work together as a community in order to learn more about different places. We try to discuss it as a community. We try to come together and travel to different places that maybe we're not so accustomed to going to. And then we all get together in order to enjoy that experience. Now, you can find me on a variety of different social media, but starting with my website, which is theprofessortravel.com. You can find me on YouTube at The Professor Travel and on Facebook at the same location. You can also find me on Twitter at The Professor TR1. And you can also find me on Blogspot if you're a blogger at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Also, I just put up an Instagram so I can be found there at the underscore professor underscore travel. Now, today we have a wonderful visiting professor. It is my privilege to introduce you to our visiting professor, Melissa Machuca. Say hi, Melissa. Hi, guys. How are you? Can everybody see me and hear me okay? I can. I'm going to adjust the video just a little bit there so we're not blocking anything. So, Melissa, can you tell our students, uh, which are our viewers and listeners, a little bit about your credentials as far as your education? and also some of the different places that you've traveled throughout the world. And it's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Um, I am a University of Arizona graduate. I am a wildcat. I went to college in Tucson, Arizona, finished my bachelor's degree, went back for my MBA in global management. And uh, I have been in higher education for many years. I retired after 16 years. And now um, I am basically taking a good break. Um, I have been privileged and, and, and blessed to be in many parts of the world, from Dubai to you know Greece, Italy, Spain, France. My husband is from Egypt, so we do go back a lot to Egypt um, and many other places in the world, like Ireland and Turkey and many other places. Um, I had the privilege of working with Scott in the past, and now I'm here trying to share with you some of my tips and ideas. Fantastic, and thank you so much for joining us. I hope the experience is going to be a fun one for you, so that way, maybe in the future, as you travel to new places, we can hear more about your experiences with those places, too. Absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the areas of your expertise, because you go to Egypt quite a lot. And so I wanted to really focus on a couple of key areas today with us on the conversation, which are the cities of Alexandria and Sharm el-Sheikh, with a little bit of, uh, of some insight on Cairo as well. Can you tell me about your most recent trip to those locations? Uh, yes. About two years ago, we went to uh, Alexandria. 
my husband's family is from Alexandria, Egypt. I've been in Cairo multiple times in Sharm el Sheikh and Alexandria throughout the last 10, 15 years. Um, there's a lot I would love to share with you. I would like to start with the culture. The culture is amazing. It's a very friendly country. Um, they absolutely love to cater to you and they're very splendid people. Their food is fantastic. Um, Cairo is overpopulated. So one of the things I would say is that you have to be careful when the driving comes just because there's so much traffic. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's a very welcoming country. There's fantastic shopping in Hekhalili, uh, which is the market in the center. And uh, there's a lot to do. The pyramids are amazing. The Cairo Museum is the largest in the world. The Valley of the Kings is a fantastic experience. So if you have not been in Egypt, you have to go to Cairo, the pyramids, and all of that. <laughs> because it just has so much history, and the food is fantastic as well. There is so much to talk about. And we're going to get into every yeah. little aspect of that as we go through this. Yeah. Because I want to know more and more and more, especially as a first-time traveler heading over there and understanding a little bit more about that environment. So let's talk about that, that trip that you took about a couple of years ago. How far in advance did you, did you need to plan for that trip? Do you remember? Yeah, it was probably about three months in advance, just because we were not exactly sure which month we were going to travel based on our work schedules. Mm -hmm. But I think we booked it three, four months in advance, which was plenty of time. Um, we went from um, Vegas to New York, New York to Cairo. Okay, so, so that Vegas. was the way we traveled. Okay, so Vegas to New York and New York to Cairo, and that was a, yes. a three-month planning period. So correct. So let me ask you then, um, and again, please, please forgive me because I'm not familiar, but I do know that when you when when people tend to go to Africa, sometimes they have to go to visiting doctors ahead of time if they need to get. Uh, like a malaria shot, or sometimes they have to go to places in order to get a visa. Were any of those applicable to you at all? Now, if you're if you have a U.S. passport, you don't need to do, and you need any visas or anything like that. You just need to get there in the airport. They give it to you as a visiting, as a tourist, for example. Um, you don't need uh, shots either. The only thing with medication, because we do have a little girl, mm -hmm. um, if you're a parent traveling with kids, I always encourage for you to take some type of antibiotic penicillin in case you need it while you're overseas. Okay. And was there any type of a adaptation issues with a diet or anything like that, that you had to prepare for stuff ahead of time? Cause I know like when I'm, I'm planning on going to India this next year and we've been told ahead of time, you have to be prepared for the dietary changes over there. You should, you should prepare your body slowly over the course of a couple of weeks in order to, better better acclimate your your body to that environment do you have anything like that or did you have anything like that at all not not at all one of the best things about the the, the food is that there is so much there are so many options for vegetarians mm -hmm. if you just like falafel if you like beans hummus vegetables pita bread you don't even have to eat meat if you are a meat eater like me there's plenty of options, lamb, ground beef, chicken. So when it comes to diet, they really, really have a lot of food for all kinds of tastes and vegans and all of that. So there's no need to prepare for any type of diet. They've got a lot of options for you. 
Okay, perfect. And no major stomach issues at all? No no problems with the rumbly-tumbly at all? Not at all. I okay. mean, what I would say is if you're planning on visiting, you know, uh, a restaurant, just make sure that we're, we're going to a restaurant that you're not eating outside or, you know, in a cart or somewhere where it might not be clean or anything like that. But if you just go to popular places hotel restaurants and things like that, you will be perfectly fine. Fantastic. Good to know. All right. So let's start to talk about the pre-packing for this specific trip. Now, when you're planning on going over to Egypt, are you kind of a minimalist packer where you just like, I only need a backpack and that's pretty much it? Or are you one of these, oh, I need like seven suitcases or something like that? <laughs> my husband wants to kill me every time because I am one of those. Let me take my seven suitcases with us, just in case. Um, but he packs pretty light, so I, I am able to do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I always check the weather before we go two months in advance if I can, and then a week and then two days before because the weather changes like drastically from one day to the next in case I need an umbrella, in case I need something that I'm prepared for that, or if it's chilly at night, I can bring a shawl or something like that. Now that's um, going to be- Checking the weather is a must. Now that's going to be a surprise to, I think, some of my viewers, because when you think of Egypt, you don't think of it being chilly, but it is a desert, and sometimes deserts can be very cold at night, right? Well, this is the interesting thing. It's Alexandria is right in the Mediterranean. So all year long, the weather there is probably about 70 degrees in the night. Um, it can get a little chilly. So mm. that is the best part about Alexandria, Egypt, that because it's right by the sea, it's just beautiful weather all year long. Okay, perfect. So um, so it sounds like you're like me and my husband, where I like to, ver I like to pack very minimally and heal be prepared for pretty much every occasion. <laughs> so, and that's good because it, it kind of balances us out a little bit. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask yes. about was um, besides the penicillin um, or antibiotics, what other types of medications would you recommend bringing when you're traveling? So for sure, the Thailand all or Advil, allergy medicine this is where the the change in climate really can make a difference for you if you're not used to that there's there's a huge difference in in the climate when you travel around and allergies are very common and they could be really really bad so we always travel with allergy medicine tylenol the antibiotic for our daughter her asthma medicine um and basically that's that's really all um other than that you know we're hoping that God will help us and that we will not need anything else than that. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming that you bring sunscreen with you or do you purchase it when you're there? You know, if it's during the summer, we always do carry sunscreen. Yes, absolutely. And it has to cover your face from the sun. It's absolutely a must. Okay. And then, Especially with all the walking. Okay. And then what about as far as any mosquito repellent? Is that anything you need to worry about over there or not? Not really. Um, I mean, if you go in the middle of the summer and, you know, it rained for some strange reason, then they might have a couple of mosquitoes, but really there's, there's not a lot. Okay. And if you need it, you can just buy it there. 
Okay, perfect. So let's start to talk about the length of your travel. How long was that visit that you did a couple of years ago? We usually do two weeks just two. because we want to have enough time to get there. Travel. Mm -hmm. Traveling takes about a day. Okay. If you have a long layover, it could take up to two days, you know, or a day and a half at least. Um, so those are some of the things that it depends on the, the connection you have, where you're going, what you're doing. Okay. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that it depends on where you're flying to and, and, and all of that. So that's kind of a hard question to, to answer because it's based on how you book your flight. Okay. That makes sense. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> you left from McCarran airport over in Las Vegas. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. to uh, New York, to JFK, New York, mm -hmm. and then New York to the Cairo International Airport. Okay, and I'm assuming then you did not park at the airport for two weeks? Did you, I, I'm, I'm just assuming that. Not at all. We took an Uber. Okay. It's really the cheapest, easiest thing to do. They take you, I mean, if you're going to stay there for two weeks, it becomes actually pretty expensive to just park your car. It's easier to just take an Uber to the airport and back. That makes sense. Um, so, so taking the Uber, you, you get on your flight. Which, um, which airline did you decide to go to when you were heading on over? You know what? I actually don't even remember because it's been a long time. We fly through a lot of different airlines. We've done, you know, British Airways. We've done connecting flights through American Airlines. So it really depends which one has the best deal for you when you want to go um, and how you like traveling. Um, one of the other trips we've done, we've done a connection in London, and then from London, we've got to Cairo. So again, it's all about your budget. And the connection, there's some people that really do not mind doing two stops and having a longer flight to save money. And there's people like me that are just probably impatient and we want the shortest <laughs> flight, the best way, even if we pay a little bit more. That's perfectly fine. And I understand that. I'm one of these people that, like, even when I'm traveling from Southern California to Vegas, I could either drive there, which would take me about five hours, or I could just take a 45 minute flight and be there quickly. And I always choose to do the flight instead, just cause I want to be there and get, I don't want to have to wait in like five hours of traffic or deal with that kind of craziness and, and just get there and start to gamble. Yes. That's why I'm going there in the first yes. place. So I absolutely understand that rationale too. Um, so let me ask you a question actually in reference to that. Cause some people are really, very meticulous as far as staying with a very specific um, uh, airline because they want to accumulate points and do things like that. But for you, it didn't sound like that was an issue. Knowing that, did you decide to go through like a travel aggregator site, like a Expedia or one of those sites? Are you, do you normally do that or do you go through the airlines themselves? You know, we're American airline fans. We always usually use them, but a lot of times there's, other websites that have better options for you. Mm -hmm. um, the cheapest way to fly, first class, just so everybody knows, is you get your regular ticket when you get to the airport, is first class ticket for half the price that you would have purchased it months ago. So mm -hmm. that's usually the way we like to travel, and that's what we do at a much affordable price. Excellent. 
So let me also ask you this, because I know you said you stopped over in New York. Were you there for any yeah. length of time or was it just you were just stopping over for a couple hours and you were on your way to Cairo at that point? I think that the layover was about four hours. Okay. So we just stayed for, uh, you know, not that long. And then we went straight to Cairo after the fact. So that was a good connection flight for us. Okay, perfect. So there was no pre-vacation destinations or anything like that. So that's fine. You arrive in Cairo. How how was getting off the plane? Um, did you did you already have uh, someone to help drive you from location to location, or was it you had to get a taxi in order to take to get from one place to another? So we had a an awesome tour guide that came to pick us up in the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, van, you know, AC, super clean, super nice, super inexpensive. We actually hired him for the whole week and a half, two weeks that we were there Um, because driving there is pretty challenging. They do not lose traffic. They do not use traffic lights. So it's a honking system. People are honking at you and that's exactly how they drive. So it could actually be pretty scary. If you're not a local, um, it's a shock. And I'm telling you that from experience. The first time I ever went there, it was pretty scary. Then you understand that you get used to that. (laughs) Um, so don't rent a car for sure. I mean, at least unless you're extremely brave and you can maneuver through all of that, but taxis are very common in Egypt. It's a pretty inexpensive country to visit. So you're not going to spend a lot of money on transportation if you use taxis or if you hire a driver either. Okay. So for this particular, you, you hired a driver in order to help take you from Cairo to Alexandria? Was that the route you decided to go? Correct. You can either do that or you could have, we stayed in Cairo for a couple of days. So he was with us during those couple of days. And then you take the train from Cairo to Alexandria, or you can also fly from Cairo to Alexandria. The train takes about two hours or so. And then the plane is 30 minutes, 40 minutes. That's not bad at all. Not at all. So, okay, well, this is where I'm going to give you a little bit of additional time. Um, First and foremost, uh, when you got to Alexandria, what were the accommodations like? Were you staying with relatives? Were you staying at a hotel? What was it like? So it's pretty typical that when you're traveling, even though you love your in-laws and your family, you want to have your own space. I get it. So there's a couple of awesome places there that I would recommend. There's a Green Plaza Hotel. It's a Hilton Hotel. It's right in the middle of the shopping center in Alexandria. So you don't have to go around a lot of different places. Everything is right there. Um, And then there is, of course, my favorite, the Four Seasons in San Stefano, which is right in the middle of Alexandria. It's pretty pricey. It's completely worth it, and it's gorgeous. It's a Four Seasons hotel. When you go there, you don't want to go anywhere else, or you don't need to do anything else. Um, There's all kinds of budgeted hotels and everything. I would say that because it is in Egypt, what a five-star hotel for us would be it's not necessarily what a five-star hotel would be in there. So always look at the pictures when you're booking. Always look at the reviews. That would really help you reserve the right place for you and your family. 
Thank you for letting us know that. I've seen a lot of personal reviews on TripAdvisor and Viador and uh, Orbitz and a lot of different places that have different types of um, personal opinions from people. But are those really that trustworthy, do you think? Well, I've done it a couple of times. And when you, you see a pattern, you actually need to pay attention to that pattern. You know, If it's a once in a while, comment about the sheets and another comment about the service and they're like all these comments are just complaints i don't look at that what i look for is patterns if there's a pattern telling me the same type of information from multiple people it must be accurate that's how i look at those reviews okay perfect so here we are we just arrived in alexandria what is your itinerary talk to us a little bit about that and what you did while you were there Okay. The first thing I want to do when I go to Alexandria is go to the fish market. Oh my Lord. It's the best seafood in the world. It is a wonderful way to introduce everybody to the Egyptian culture. You go to the fish market, they set up a table with about 20 different kinds of appetizers. Everything is included in your food, in your meal. Wow. They have fresh seafood, you know, fish, shrimp, lobster, whatever you choose to ask, you tell them one pound of shrimp or, you know, this fish, that fish, they cook it there, they bring it to your table, and you really, truly enjoy that Egyptian flavor. Um, they have this brown rice with caramelized onions that is very famous, very popular, that it's absolutely to die for. So we go to the fish market. We have a nice meal. After that, we have to go smoke hookah. Of course. The Grand Cafe, it's a very popular cafe where we usually go and smoke hookah in the evening. You drink the Arabic tea. Mm -hmm. You can have some baklava, some dessert. It is just this beautiful place surrounded by awesome people, Arabic music. And it's just a different experience that you have to go through at least once in your lifetime. Sounds beautiful. Then after that, after that, the next day, I go shopping all day. Downtown Alexandria has all the little shops around. Um, like in a lot of other places, do not take the first prize that they give you. Oh, yeah. You it's a barter system you. over there. I forgot about that. You've got to bargain. Like everything. And you can literally walk away and tell them half the price. They said, no, you walk away. They will bring you back. So don't be embarrassed. This is what people do. They're not embarrassed to negotiate with you. You should do the same. Um, every time I go to the market or the spice market or here or there, I am negotiating with them. And I really, really am able to get amazing prices because of that. Um, they have gold that is pretty cheap. Cheap. They have scarves they have you know all these different things knickknacks this that so that's where you want to go and just tell them half the price or two for one or whatever and then you get the best deals nice okay cool what's next so we usually because we're there with family we just spend time with family we go into different places we go visit different hotels we might go to the beach and one of our two week stays in alexandria this is where we decided to just go to charmel shake which okay. is a beautiful place in the in the sea as well the mediterranean red sea 
Um, and it depends. There's a lot of different beaches close to Alexandria, Maxa Matrua, you know, Charmel Shea. So there's a lot of little places that you can do either one day trip, two day trip and come back. And that's usually what we do because two weeks in Alexandria, it's a lot. Now, the Alexandria Lighthouse is there, which was one of the old wonders of the world. Um, the Alexandria Library is one of the largest in the world. It's absolutely beautiful. So there's a lot of sightseeing that you can do. There's a lot of tours that you can do. Um, and they're pretty inexpensive to do as well. How big is the library? It's huge. I mean, it's it's one of the largest in the world. I don't know square footage of it. All I know is that it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's very modern. Um, Alexander the Great has a lot to do with Alexandria, which that was, you know, kind of a surprise to me. Uh, there's a lot of history in Egypt. And once you go into one of those tours where they explain to you the origin and, and who conquered who and how that works, I mean, it's just a, a, a wonderful place to be in because there's so much history and power and, and things and drama that happened back in the day that it's fascinating to anybody who learns about it. Um, but the library is fantastic. I mean, if you Google it right now, you can see that it's one of the largest. Mm -hmm. um, it's an awesome place to visit. The Alexandria Lighthouse is great. They have a market and shopping outside of there as well. Downtown Alexandria, there's a couple of mosques you can visit. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a lot of different beaches that you can go to and come back to. So it's a great place to visit. Sounds beautiful. Um, also, I do have a question for you. For my viewers who are female, and this is their first time in a place like either Cairo or Sharp Mal Sheikh or Alexandria, what, yes. what would you advise them? Because sometimes when you're visiting a conservative country, you have to be aware of the customs. I mean, what, what, what would you say to them? Okay, that's a great question. This is what I would tell my daughter who is nine years old, right? Um, use your common sense. If you know it's a conservative country that most of the women are wearing skirts or pants and they're covered, mm -hmm. don't show a lot because if the more you show, the more you'll get attention to you. It's a, it's a very friendly country. There's a lot of tourism. So there's no, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm wearing shorts. I need to cover my head. Nothing of that. You can, you don't have to cover your hair. You can wear whatever you want to wear. It's a free place to visit. All I'm saying is just try to cover yourself, wear your t-shirt, your jeans, your, your shoes, because otherwise you're going to draw a lot of attention to yourself. Um, there's nothing wrong, nothing will happen, but you don't want to be in a situation where because you're wearing a very short skirt or something like that, somebody might disrespect you. Yeah. Um, so I would say just whatever you would wear to church or whatever you would wear to your parents' house, for example. That's which I hope that that should be a message. You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I've heard, yeah, no, I've, no, no. I've heard, I've heard the same thing, uh, the comparison, and for my students, the comparison that I would say, and I've visited, I've visited a, a number of different places that are relatively conservative over my travels, and when, when you go into some of these churches, and when you go into some of these places, 
that's about the level of conservatism that you would expect. You wouldn't go to your church wearing a tank top and, and, and a Speedo and, and flip-flops. You would go respectfully wearing, you know, maybe maybe a, maybe a, a, a relatively decent shirt or, you know, a, something that's not ripped, doesn't have holes in it, um, something that covers your shoulders, okay. something that covers your knees, um, you know, some, maybe some Correct. sneakers. Things like that, you know, it's, it's just being respectful of their culture, and that's really ultimately Absolutely. what it boils down to. When you go to the beach, you can wear your bikini. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but but not when you know you're going to a mosque or something. A lot of times they have shawls, they have you know things that they share with you so that you cover your your arms, you cover all this you know parts of your body. But again, just use common sense and and like we say in Italy, you know. When in Rome, do as Romans do. Yeah, exactly. It's the same. It's the same method, and it's and it it's really universal. We're so unaccustomed to that living here in yeah. in the U.S. It's just we 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 really. If you're traveling abroad, there are going to be certain things you should expect. Uh, language, you know, challenges might be one of them. Cultural challenges might be another. And really yeah. being mindful of, in some cases, the political and economic situations in some countries, because that may have an impact on the way in which you plan your vacations. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, it sounds like you had a lot of fun over in both Alexandria and Sharm El Sheikh. Um, anything else as far as those, uh, those locations before you headed back to Cairo? Uh, yeah. Well, Sharm El Sheikh, um, there's a couple of different resorts. I remember Cleopatra resort, the Sultan resort are five stars are beautiful. They have some all-inclusive resorts as well. Mm. Um, you 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 fly there, and then there's a lot of things to do. You can dive. You can just you know go fishing. There's there's so much stuff you can do. The tours are actually I was very impressed when when I went in Charm. We visited about four years ago, mm-hmm. um, but there were a lot of tour options. A very affordable pricing. Again, it's a beautiful place. That's a little bit more liberal, so you can be in your bathing suit walking around because most of that is just tourism, you know? Um, and again, the food, the people, the music, they have this gorgeous hookah place where, you know, you smoke the hookah right up in the mountain overlooking at the sea. I mean, it is just one of the most beautiful things I've seen in my life. And I've been to a lot of wonderful places, and Carmel Sheikh has a lot to offer when it comes to food, culture, people, fun, and the beach is also fantastic. So visit Carmel Sheikh. And just to confirm, it's three words. It's Charm L Sheikh. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. And so now we're on our way back to Cairo. Cairo. Um, uh, again, yes. hopefully, hopefully you survive the traffic. Okay, on the way back. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then Cairo, I we always like to. They have a lot of different. Uh, the museum is amazing in Cairo. It's the largest in the world. A lot of the times they have the Tutankhamun exhibit, so mm-hmm. they have a lot of different exhibits throughout the year. Um, the museum, it's something. It's a must. The pyramids have a light show at night. Mm. They don't do that every single month, but I know there's a huge portion of the year where you can actually do the light show, and it's pretty fun. 
Um, the Valley of the Kings is something else that I would recommend. Uh, you're close to a lot of different places from Cairo. You've got to ride a camel for sure. <laughs> um, the Sphinx, you know, the pyramids, they have guided tours that go through the history and how it happened and how the pyramids were built. And I mean, we look at that in the Discovery Channel. And when you're there in front of them, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I remember back in 2000, I believe, uh, I think 2009, we were still able to get inside the pyramids, mm -hmm. and it was just a, a fantastic experience. They stopped doing that, I think, about two years ago. Oh. Um, but you can still get a lot of wonderful things in history. The market in Cairo, it's called Gen Halili. It is a huge market. It's just like a place where you can go, you can negotiate, you find from gold jewelry to silver to knickknacks to silk products to dresses. It's fantastic. And it's really inexpensive. And I keep saying that just because I just came back from Europe. Um, we went to Germany, London, Paris, and comparing that to what we spent in Egypt is, is nothing. So if you want to go and enjoy a wonderful trip where it's not that expensive and you can get the best out of a country, go to Egypt. Fantastic. So now we now we start to head back. What was the what was the return trip like and how was passport control on your way back? Oh my god. The only bad thing about JFK is that it's it's when it comes to passport control, it's it's a zoo. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were so many people when we got there. Thankfully, we learned um, about this app. You have an app that you can download in your phone. Mm -hmm. You do everything in the phone. You can even take your own picture, and it immediately goes through. Instead of going into the little kiosks, and doing it there and waiting for 500 people in front of you, you download the app on your phone for passport control, you take a picture, you send it, it comes back immediately. Once it's approved, you can skip the whole line and just go straight to the gate where they stamp your passport. Wow. Um, so do that if you can, because it saved us probably at least two and a half hours of waiting. Oh, my gosh. Um, then we go we go we'll get our luggage, obviously, because it goes through costumes. Then after that, we recheck it, and then it comes to your destination. But um, you have to also make sure that your connection gives you enough time, because my biggest concern is losing my next flight all the time. Um, oh, yeah. We only had about two and a half hours from New York to come back, and I was we barely made it. We were running to the plane and we did this with the passport control app on the phone. Mm -hmm. We would have not made our our um, flight back if we would have stayed in line to go through costumes like the way mm -hmm. most people do. Oh my gosh. That is just, that, that can be really scary, especially when you're in another country or you're in another city and then you don't want to have to pay that additional charge for a hotel or anything crazy yes. like that. So or when you're just tired and you just want yeah. to go home, you know? Especially after a couple of weeks. So let's yes. talk, let's talk about a couple of takeaways. So okay. it definitely sounds like there's so much to do in Egypt, although so many people, when they visit there, they're just, they're just focusing on Cairo, but it sounds like based on your trip, Alexandria and Sharm El Sheikh were just as spectacular as Cairo, just in a different way. Absolutely. Cairo is the busy, busy go, you know, tour pyramids, do this, do that. So many people, Alexandria, 
It's just this beautiful, classy city that you can just go and relax. You enjoy the culture. You enjoy the food. You enjoy the view. And then Sharm Sheikh is just that fun little place to get away, go to the beach, smoke hookah, go to a nightclub, listen to music, drink, and come back. So you've got the best of the world right there. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What are, I mean, we've already talked about a few things that people should be aware of. I don't want to call them cons, you know, because when you're explaining pros and cons, but is there anything else that we should be aware of, like for maybe a first-time traveler that they should be cautious of or, or just be aware of? So I would say when you go to the marketplaces, you know, or you go downtown and there's a lot of people, like everywhere else, just be aware of your belongings. Your passport is the most important thing. Um, don't freak out with the driving in Cairo. <laughs> That's how they drive. Yeah. But I would say it's just uh, being aware of your surroundings. I'm one of those people that no matter where I go, I am always looking around to make sure nothing looks weird. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's a very safe, friendly country. Um, and if it's your first time, you can share that with the driver. You can share that with the people. Egyptian people are very accommodating. So they will go above and beyond to ensure you have a good time so that you come back. That is one of the biggest benefits that you would you would have uh, visiting Egypt. Um, do not go in the middle of the summer. That is one of the things on the other hand because it gets pretty hot. Mm -hmm. Not in Alexandria because, like I said, it's a really nice weather throughout the year. Uh, but Cairo can get very, very hot. And it's not just that. It's just if you're sweating, you're tired, it's hot, you don't enjoy it as much. Yeah, I can um, understand that. Other than that, it's a long flight. It will take about, you know, from here to New York, five, six hours from there to there, another 17, 16 hours. So just be prepared for that. Know that you're going to lose one or two days. Um, go relax the first day. Enjoy resting so that then you can continue on your journey. And the most important thing, have fun. Enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Because Egypt is a fantastic place to visit. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate all the information, and I know my students do as well. Um, if they wanted to get more information about Egypt, is the best way to contact you at your email at your Gmail address? Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just put in the subject line, Egypt, and I'll know it's your viewers, and I will answer any questions they have. And for those that are listening through the podcast, it's MX. M-A-C-H-U-C at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. It's M-X. M-A-C-H-U-C at gmail.com. Melissa, it has been an absolute privilege talking with you. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on to both my vlog and my podcast here at the Professor Travel. For the students that are out there, if you have any additional questions or follow-up, in reference to this, you're always welcome to reach out to me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. I'm always here to assist. But in the meantime, make every opportunity to travel a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> the Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel.
or Twitter at the Professor TR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.